The following podcast is sponsored by the new Hood College Gear Shop. The gear shop replaces the old Hood bookstore. Most of us remember the bookstore as just a place where we bought or rented books. Well, that's not the case anymore. The Hood College Gear Shop is a great place to buy all kinds of things. Need some Hood brand merch? You'll find hoodies and t-shirts, hats and scarves, sweats, socks, mugs and cups. They even have hood branded blankets. Low on shampoo or soap? They have you covered. Bad breath before class? Buy some gum or Tic Tacs. Need a pen, highlighter, or notebook? The gear shop has ton. Does your roommate have a dog? Buy them a hood college leash or collar. Need some Advil or Tums? The gear shop has your back. Need a last minute birthday gift for your best friend? you'll find plenty of options. What I'm saying is the Hood College Gear Shop has you covered for all of your gift, school, snack, and blazer branded clothing needs. So the next time you're in WIT, stop in and browse around. Mention my name, Jordan Costley, and the name of this podcast, Minority Minds, and receive 10% off your purchase of any Hood branded merchandise. But Take a listen to the show first. Minority, minority, minority minds. Minority, minority, minority minds. Matter. Hello, it's your host with the most, Jordan Cosley, and welcome to Minority Minds. This podcast aims to discuss the minority experience for Hood College students and learn important facts regarding to the history of minoritized groups. Wherever you may be, enjoy the program, and stay tuned for my upcoming podcast. Hello, hello. It's your host with the most, Jordan Cosley, and welcome to the third episode of Minority Minds. Before we begin, I had a whoopsie and forgot to do a trivia question for last episode, So we will have two. The first one will be, what country has been labeled the most diverse? And the second will be, who was the first black woman to win a medal in the U.S. figure skating? While you brainstorm about potential responses, today's episode is discussing the queer experience at Hood College. I met with three individuals about their experience at Hood College with homophobia and queerphobia and in general. Again, individuals willing to participate can remain confidential. I want to respect that discussing any experience from marginalized groups can be scary and I and that some individuals may not be openly queer to some friends or family and I want to be respectful of their time and privacy. Before I open up the discussion, I want to define what homophobia and queerphobia is. Homophobia is the irrational fear or aversion to or discrimination against homosexuality or queer individuals. There is something called queerphobia, also known as queerism, Q-U-E-E-R-M-I-S-I-A, and LGBTQ plus phobia. It's the act of discriminating and behaving in a hateful manner towards those who are LGBTQIA plus slash queer. This is most often done by, this is often done by conformant individuals. However, it is fully possible for someone in the LGBTQIA plus community to be queer phobic in some way, shape, or form towards another identity or even towards their own identity that they share. Those who are queer phobic are also known as queer phobes. 
Queer phobia can be found in many forms and can cause trauma, mental health issues, physical harm, homelessness, unemployment, death, and so many more threatening concepts. Those who are queer phobic do not have to be blatant with their discriminatory behavior. While some may use slurs, harass, abuse, others may be silent or are quietly judging and may have had negative opinions on someone purely based on their attraction, gender, identity, and or sex traits. Okay, now that we have the general definition of, of homophobia and queerphobia, I'm going to open the discussion to the others joining me. Each person was sent pre-made questions, but are free to add additional information or questions that they feel should be included. Okay, so if you all wanted to share your names, now would be the time. So we're going to go this way, and then we'll get rolling. Hi, my name is Marissa Del Barello, and I'm a sophomore here at Hood. And can you tell everybody your pronouns, please? She, her. Thank you. Uh, I'm Gray. This is my second semester here at Hood, and my pronouns are they, them. I am Jasmine. I am a graduate student here at Hood, and my pronouns are she, they. Thank you guys so much for joining me and being willing to talk to me about this, um, because the whole mission of my podcast is to just allow discussion for every or any marginalized group, minoritized group, about their experience not only at Hook College, in general, um, just because education is really important to me and I think the only way we can learn is through other people. So, rolling with that, what does homophobia or queerphobia mean to you? Um, so one, I've kind of had a hard time defining this term and explaining it because part of like how I relate to the world is by you know, defining things. And so it's really hard to pin down like how some things affect me. So like, for example, it's not just direct action. Sometimes it can also be lack of action or even, and so I do realize this isn't fair to a certain degree, but sometimes just my perception of a situation. And so I try to be fair and balanced and give people the benefit of the doubt when I can, but it also is something that is deeply important to me to feel safe and respected in any given situation. And so um, it is important to make sure that you are clear and genuine with your actions, especially when you're working with um, neurodivergent people or people who may have difficulty understanding social cues or interacting in social settings. Yeah, that's a really good point that it's not just words. It can be actions as well. And, and especially the lack of action taken. Yeah, that's a really good point. I definitely, I definitely learned that um, the longer I had been out, I think when I was still in the closet, I kind of felt like it was the more blatant shows of like homophobia or queerphobia, um, however you want to define it. And then as I, you know, came out and kind of presented myself how I really wanted to, I kind of saw more of that lack of action, the subtle like, like shows of homophobia or displays of homophobia like even like a certain look at you like in a conversation if I mention I'm queer in a conversation you kind of you get those looks like you know you can see it in somebody's face that it's like oh okay like and not in a good way and I think that's something I struggle with too because it's like you want to say something but sometimes you you can't yeah I think that homophobia can look like everyone said, just like different things. I think that 
It's in the looks that you get when you come out to people and you disclose that information. It's uh, even sometimes the microaggressions that come out. And so when people start placing kind of more traditional, quote unquote, ideals onto your relationship on how you live and kind of try to box you in to understand rather than just listening and embracing who you are, that can a lot of times um, be rooted in homophobia and even the in the emotions that come out and the anger and the resentment and 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 placating shame kind of onto you it, it it's so there's not one way to define it but it's sometimes it it's all encompassing of words actions beliefs thoughts and feelings towards you yeah i think that's a really great point is that there can be a you know webster's dictionary definition but that doesn't mean that it encompasses encompasses encompass encompass <laughs> It's okay, say it in the mic. Encompasses. Yeah, that yeah. word. English um, major moment. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Period. <laughs> that, um, that it can be really difficult to try to say, okay, this is exactly what this means. Because for every person experiencing homophobia or queer phobia or any phobia, there is no one definition because every person's experience is completely different and extremely valid especially because when we actually were just talking about microaggressions in my in my last episode and you never want or at least for me never wanting to invalidate someone's experience because I'm not in your body I am not in your shoes I have no room to tell you that you didn't experience that that oh that's not what that was like oh you're just overreacting I will no that's not that is not my mission so how how dare I say that? No, that's 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 not what Webster's told me. Yeah, this is what Webster said it is. So like, your experience that you just told me doesn't fit in that. So guess that didn't happen, and that's not true. So I think that just kind of answers the question. The next like little question I had was that the definition is different. That there's always you know something else that people experience and feel during that. So when was the first time that you experienced homophobia? Like to your face or just kind of in that passive way? I'm interested in both, whatever. I cuz I was thinking about this question and I was hesitating on how to answer this question. Um for many different reasons, but I don't know if there was like a first time I ever experienced like homophobia like to my face or like in that sort of blatant way I, I've had those experiences I think one of them was kind of like it's especially like around family that you're not like out to when they kind of like they make those passive aggressive comments or just not even passive aggressive just aggressive <laughs> comments and you're not out yet and you have to sit there and kind of like the smile and nod like you can't really react to it because then it, it kind of I feel like the reaction in my experience anyway was almost like an outing in a way like if a I reacted too strongly it would give me away and I feel like there's also been times where people have said to my face like oh I get why other women wouldn't want to date you because you're not like you don't have experienced like queerness or gayness or because I pass so people want to I pass as like someone who or try to say homophobic stuff to my face and I'm like well I'm out here so I'll say that I'm like well you know like I'm queer so 
you know, like, <laughs> I don't really agree with you on that one. But um, there's a lot of, I think I've experienced a lot of like subtle homophobia from people in the community too. They, it, it surprised me at first um, when I first came out, but then I kind of, I got used to it. Yeah. yeah. So what does subtle mean to you? Because I want this to be an experience for people who aren't queer, because I know that I am not queer. I'm very open about that. Um, but I identify as an ally, but I think as an ally, we can always get better. So what, and if, if you're comfortable, what does subtle homophobia in an example that you've experienced mean to you? Like if I, like I said, if I mention that I'm queer in a conversation, people's faces kind of change. It, it, they like, it gets a guarded and like that angry response and that kind of like almost disgusted sort of face. And then it's, it's always, sorry for my language, but as long as they don't do that gay shit in front of me, I, that's not even subtle. That's not subtle, but it's the demeanor, the facial expression, or after that conversation, they stop talking to you. It's something that you kind of start getting used to like identifying and noticing and like taking into account when you speak to somebody. Like if for whatever reason, I'm so I'm queer, I, I gender doesn't really matter to me in a partner. So if I was for whatever reason talking to a guy and I mentioned, oh, I'm, I'm queer, like it, it doesn't, they typically, it's immediately the assume that like I only like women or then it starts with the, oh, you're lying to reject me, want a threesome, or just that, like, the, it's, it's like a shift. I don't know. It's like, yeah, forward. just the or shift they, in the emotion. Or they block you, unadd you, they, they, like, just ignore you after that. Like, yeah. No, I think that that's a valid experience in touching on the blatantness and the ignorance or ignorance of your experience or being like oh well no you're not Mm -hmm. no you're not well why are you talking to me if you are it's like well I can like more than one thing yeah no I've I've been told so many times that like I'm not I don't look gay I don't look gay enough (laughs) right I look too straight like that's what I was talking about like yeah (laughs) yep (laughs) they're laughing like it's it's true like I've been told that oh well you look straight and I'm like what i don't know i that's the stuff that gets to me more than i like to let on because i'm like what am i supposed to look like then yeah what it's so i'm like i just dress how i like to dress or i look how i want to look like yeah, i feel like it's a subtle insult within itself to tell you that you don't look gay enough. i know like that's that's exactly me because yeah. i don't put too too much effort into passing and I still very much have my like cishet Christian white girl wardrobe because for the most part it's the clothes I like to wear but like you look at me and you are not going to guess my pronouns and I'm just like this is just something I have to live with yeah there's there's also like the subculture in and of itself but Mm -hmm. that's another conversation yeah so great can you tell me about you know if you remember the first time you experienced homophobia directly indirectly or both so I actually have a very weird and complicated relationship with homophobia because my first experience with it was probably on the getting end of it rather than the receiving. I grew up in a very conservative household and so I was taught for a long, well, I wasn't taught for a long time, but when I was taught, it was that like, this is a sin, this is bad, you're not supposed to respect or admire this. And um, unfortunately, I held on to that attitude for quite a while until I, you know, figured myself out. But I think my first experience with homophobia was probably, I was in a play 
and there was a gay couple in the play it written in the play and I didn't tell my parents this because I knew they wouldn't like it and in the car ride home from the play after the show they were like having this big conversation with like this is not okay you have to like understand that this is not okay you should have told us this we wouldn't have let you do this had we known and I was just like so uncomfortable because I didn't see anything wrong with it um since then I've obviously you know changed my viewpoint on a lot of things and unfortunately that has made me a target in a lot of ways not for like that specific kind of homophobia where people are like you're betraying your own beliefs and values which I think is one of the hardest ones to kind of come to terms with and it's something I still struggle with honestly as a queer Christian yeah there is um I think there's a lot of misinformation and not enough information about being queer and being religious period not even being queer and being Christian just being queer and subscribing to any religion I think there's a lot of misinformation and not enough information that you can be queer and be religious that is totally acceptable and okay and people are unwilling to have that conversation because they're like well it says this but it's all about your interpretation right if I, you know, regardless if you're religious or not, if you gave someone one verse of something, we would have four different, completely different interpretations of that. And the other thing is like, just going back to the theme of homophobia and microaggressions, like it took me a really long time to actually start recognizing some things for what they were because I'd just seen them as normal parts of my religion or subculture or whatever. And I just accepted that as natural, even though it felt off and so there's still some things where I'm like is this belief that I've been taught to hold homophobic or is this actually okay and so I'm still like talking through some of these things and working some of the things out for myself yeah and good for you and thank you for being honest about that you had to grow to find yourself and finding that you're still finding out what what means to me that means to me and that probably didn't make sense but it means it makes sense to you guys you everybody understood what I said what it means to me is what it means to me. Mm-hmm. Regardless of what other people tell Regardless you. Regardless of what other people oh, yep. Yeah, no, I was also raised Roman Catholic, like, for a really long time, and that was rough. Like, sitting in mass and, like, hearing, like, just a bunch of crap. <laughs> just, I'm, I'm personally just atheist, 100%, but that took a really long time to, like, unlearn and, like, not feel guilty about. Yeah. I think it's still something I struggle with occasionally. For the most part, now being 20 and getting out of the church in like eighth grade. So how old are you in eighth grade? Like 13, 14? So it's it's been a long time now. And I'm very open about like I don't participate in it. It's just not something I enjoy. But also because it's an institution like you were talking about. It just doesn't really respect my existence as one a woman. like, (laughs) like, Like as a woman and two as a queer woman. Um you know so it's it's something I also struggled with and had to unlearn and like understand that like that's not it doesn't it's not gonna change who I am being queer is who I am not what I am Mm -hmm. I love that so that's a really good quote yeah yeah it's no 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 yeah yeah that's kind of exactly how I see it because like um, one big thing I hear a lot in Christianity is like Christian should be your first identity but I still say queer Christian because queer is who I am regardless of whether or not I choose to label myself as that, but that is who I am. And then Christianity for me is a choice. Right. And you, what, when, when would you say was the first time you experienced homophobia? 
I feel like religion is just such a universal like experience like the fact that all like what I will share has like religion in it and it's um it shapes us and whether we practice or not whether we choose to follow something differently it's amazing how much queer people engage in religion or don't choose not to and so my first experience unknowingly on my family side uh I grew up Baptist and so Mm. um (laughs) (laughs) and so if anyone is familiar with the African-American culture and the Baptist church then you might know where this is going. Then you know the no. <laughs> then you know. I, then you know. I went and to so, an African-American Baptist church yeah, for most of my life. My uh, family, uh, specifically my dad and like my grandmother, they held such, they were like, gays are, are not good people. And what's next? Are you going to be like, be with your dog? And I'm sitting here and I am internalizing like all of this. And I am in middle school and I knew I was gay for a while. And so I am sitting, I'm like listening to these messages and I'm like, well, I am better off in the closet for a long time. And so it wasn't really until undergrad that I decided to really come out. And I was fortunate enough to have friends and experiences that only like embraced me. And even going to a Catholic high school, Uh, my guidance counselor who kind of figured it out with me and was like, you know, maybe, maybe you're gay. And I was like, oh, maybe. (laughs) Um, That was just such a loving experience. And truthfully, when I, when I talk about that experience, if it was not for her to, to embrace me and love me in that one moment, I don't know if I could have come out to other people, but knowing that I would experience negativity and hate in some capacity that one experience was enough for me to carry on with me and say, okay, I know that there are people out there who will love me, who are believers of faith and would still love me, who are adults, who are whatever they may be. There are people out there who will choose me and who will love me. And so that was my first experience. Um, At least my family was very much my first experience of homophobia in the church, um, really. So... And how you're saying that, you know, there's people in the faith who will choose me and love me. I don't know. I feel like that took me a long time to accept. Like, I have a really bad relationship with religion, and I know other people don't. So it took me, it's, I still, like, get kind of abrasive when people even bring it up. Because I'm like, like, it it makes me uncomfortable because I had such a bad experience in the church. Like, a horrendous experience in the church. And not even just because I was queer for other reasons. Like, I was never allowed to stand up for myself for a really long time. And that was something I also struggled with because I felt like I could never speak up. And I still struggle with that now, being 20. I feel like I defend other people before I want to defend myself. The gay quote-unquote jokes that just really were not funny. They were just rude. <laughs> like There was nothing funny about it. But I grew up like hearing that kind of stuff. And it was kind of like, it made me hate myself for a really long time. Because like, or made me feel gross about myself. Like every time I kissed a guy, I would have to go home and like scrub my mouth out. Like I felt disgusting. But I didn't know why. And I, I had phrased it in one of my classes. Like I felt like I was colorblind for a really long time. And then I realized, you know, I I liked girls too. And it felt like I saw everything in color for the first time. It it was almost like walking on a broken ankle for so long. You don't realize that pain until somebody points it out and being like, doesn't that hurt? And you're like, oh, it, it hurts. It does hurt. You're right. I've been walking with that burden or that injury for so long. I didn't even notice. I don't know. I felt like I was finally like Marissa, but not like 
oh, queer Marsa, I just felt like Marsa. And I think that the point that everybody is bringing up is that everybody's experience is different, is valid, and it's, it's okay to not know how you're feeling about something. And that it can be really, really hard to stand up for yourself and be confident in who you are. And that it's difficult to think like, oh my gosh, if I tell this person this, is this going to change how they feel about me? And that can be really difficult. And that's okay for that experience to be difficult, queer or not. So I think that's a great point is like, you don't have to be religious. Cool. Yeah. You you are you are Marissa, period. Oh. Yeah. And people that love you and care about you will celebrate and support that choice, whatever choice you make, because you'll change your mind a thousand times about a thousand things. Exactly. You'll want to wear cargo pants one day and the people your community of people will still choose you they'll still support you and so my mom was a really good example of that because I came out to her she didn't even care she was like okay she couldn't care less she was always really supportive of what I I choose to do um she you know and my friends too my two best friends I had come out to them and we were like they were like we know (laughs) it was it was one of those we know congrats like you know, it, it was it was a very I didn't make it a big deal. It was very much just like mm. at first I was by I it depends on who asked me. I'll say bisexual or queer. But you know, I kind of was just like, yeah, no, I I don't I like girls too. And they were just like, okay, like, and I was very grateful for that because I didn't want it to be like, if you're straight, you don't have to come out. Like I don't I didn't want to make it a big deal. And I they are also my support system through and through. And like they chose to love me no matter who I, who I was, who I chose to be, who I am. And same with my stepdad and my mom and my my best friends and the friends I've made here. Blood is not thicker than water, people. <laughs> it yes. is not. <laughs> yeah. Um can I oh, yeah, yeah, for no. a second? Yeah, no. No, this is just me English majoring for a second. But the original saying is actually the blood of the covenant is thicker than the water of the womb. So yeah. blood is thicker than water. The blood is actually referring to friendship, not biology. Anywho, I'm out again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I guess the the, the saying kind of changed after a while. But, but I think that's yeah. a great point. It's like this. Yeah, you're kind of validating my point. Like friends sometimes are more important yeah. than like your family. And that your friends become your family. Yes. That's- Having a support system can be really integral for you. Even if it's just yes. two people. You don't, it do, you don't have to have 10. It doesn't have to be a lot. No. No, it doesn't. <laughs> it it I, can it doesn't. be. It's um, quantity, not uh, quality. Quality, quality over not quantity. quantity. Yeah, sorry. I yeah. mean, it's, it's such a wonderful and healing feeling when people who are not related to you, who who have no ties to you, choose you. Yeah. And they choose to invest their time, at least in my experience, uh, the chosen family that I have created like over the years. And they are some of the best people. They are the best people that I know. And they are not by blood related to me, but I would, I treat them as family. I, yeah. we, we cook together. We cook for one another. We eat with their families and things like that. And so... To anyone out there like who your family is coming whether you see them today or a couple years from now just know that there is a family out there for you i love that 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 mm-hmm. let's take out everything else everybody said we're gonna just play that part <laughs> yeah. of what we said yeah. it end episode okay moving on so i want to as an ally talk about the queer experience or experiencing homophobia at Hood. And this is once again, I will say this until I can't say it anymore. For anyone who wants to talk about this 
and is just learning about this opportunity, I am always opening open to do a second episode, just doing this again. Um, your experience is deserving of being heard and I want your voice to be heard. And that's what this platform is. So please feel free to reach out to me. My email again is jrc19 at hood.edu. Please, please, please email me. I am so, have you had any direct experiences with homophobia or queerphobia at Hood College? Um, So as a graduate student, my campus life is a little different. I'm here at night for a couple hours and then I leave. Um, And so I have been fortunate enough to not have any homophobia experiences here at Hood specifically. Uh, My faculty is wonderful and uh, the friends that I have made here, some of them like are that chosen family I was speaking about. I mean, but my experience is one experience and that that's what I have to speak on. So I would, I think this is the time where I'll do more listening if there are other experiences. So I'm also going to be deferring a little bit because as I mentioned previously, so many aspects of homophobia, especially microaggressions are so normalized to me that I don't always recognize them even if they're directed towards me and so as far as I know I personally haven't experienced anything direct I think everything that I've experienced has been somewhat imposed on myself that being said I do think that at times and in certain places it does become somewhat hostile and I heard most of this from my friends Um, I've been able to avoid those places for the most part but that doesn't change the fact that they exist um, I mean, I've, I feel like overall, like you said, it's, it's been okay. Like I, there, there's only been like one or two moments where I'm like, oh my God, like the, the ones where you got to go in your room and like cry for like two minutes and then you're like, okay, it doesn't matter. Um, being the queer representation, especially on like a staff who works pretty personally with the residents, I think the me being queer and having that representation is something that you need and also deserve. You deserve that. And I, and I said that to you guys day one. I'm here to be the person that you guys can come to or look up to or talk to. Not even just as an RA, but just as like a human being. Like I'm also a student at the end of the day too. I don't know, like just, just last week, I had to deal with some people like saying homophobic things like right to my face in Smith. It was one of those things where you kind of had to take a deep breath and be like, okay. It kind of, it takes your breath away sometimes because it's like, what do you say? Again, I sometimes I kind of, I, I don't say anything and th- that I, I regret saying not saying anything like afterwards but in that moment I feel like I have to like self-preserve too. We live on a gender neutral floor mm-hmm. and because it's a gender neutral floor fairly obvious that there's going to be queer people there and so I haven't witnessed anything personally because I was out at the time but my friends have mentioned multiple instances of targeted homophobia on our floor or towards people who live on the floor who don't even identify as queer and it's just so frustrating to be generalized in that way just the fact that they assume that first off that we're queer and secondly that they use that against us is just so frustrating yeah i feel like sometimes being out is like a double-edged sword yes. sometimes I love being out and yeah. it's not something about myself that I hide unless I, I genuinely need to but I, I'm also I don't introduce myself and be like I don't say it outright like if 
if it's me- if it's brought up, I'll be like, oh yeah, I am queer. But like, I'm not gonna. It's not like a. That's not a conversation starter I use, you know. But sometimes it, it's like you were saying. It, it's sometimes it's kind of like everybody's like looking at you or pointing a finger at you, being like, yeah. And that I think that rings true, like even a bit more true for me because first off, this is the first time I've actually been able to be out socially me too yeah and so it's definitely a new experience for me but also because I use they them pronouns if I want to be respected I have to come out Mm. and like I don't have a choice and so it's very very easy to like I have to decide whether I would rather be disrespected or whether I would rather get that finger pointed at me every single time I interact with a new person I think asking pronouns are a good thing but sometimes it kind of I don't know. I feel like it puts people in a corner yeah. sometimes. And I and I'm not trying to I I'm not trying to like overtake that experience because I I I don't use uh, they them pronouns or other pronouns besides she her, but I feel like experiences that like people have confided to me about, I feel like it kind of sometimes it kind of makes people feel like they don't have another option. Yeah. I guess. I don't know. I I don't want to like and like overtake that no. experience for you but no, I'm just I, like I do not feel like you're speaking over me but this is something I actually wanted to say on one of the other questions but like we don't owe you anything like mm-hmm. we it, do not yeah. owe you an explanation rationalization or justification for our existence or how we choose to exist and just because we don't owe you that doesn't mean that you don't owe us respect and basic human dignity yeah respect is mutual and deserved yeah that's one thing i will say is that all of the hood staff i have interacted with have been absolutely amazing and respectful when it comes to stuff like this i mean you are as a students the students are the people who i get the crap from so having students who don't do that like obviously you're paid to be nice people but you also (laughs) are nice people and so um but like also just the professors and stuff and like even like some of the people in the like in the blazer have realized oh hey the name on the id is not the name they use and will actually remember that and i just appreciate them so much for that yeah shout out to the the good hood staff here and honestly it's a good chunk like we've both been saying i i want to emphasize that like i really overall have not had like yeah a bad experience here and i'm glad for that i am you know there's always the college experience that makes you kind of just want to cry and like be like (laughs) you know whatever that's just being a college student um but in that aspect I think it could have been worse and I feel like we've I've met people where I can actually confide in them and be heard that's important so I'm thankful that all of you feel heard and feel represented by not maybe not represented but feel that the staff that you have interactions with respect you as a person give you respect don't out you or don't make it a, a whole thing so what ways can your friends your or your family and or chosen family advocate for you i have this really cute book it is it's this short little comic book but it's talking about using they them pronouns period so instead of me asking you what your pronouns are i immediately use they them pronouns until you tell me hey thank you for doing that but i actually use she her pronouns or she they pronouns because it's it's respecting that you don't know somebody's pronouns when you first meet them and instead of saying hey ladies 
hey boys, like even just changing it to hey y'all, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. how are you all doing today? Just making it generalized so that everybody feels respected and heard is really important. And that book was so amazing for me. And it was short, it was easy to read. And I posted it like all over social media because I was like, everybody needs to have this book. I feel like you kind of hit it like right on the head, to be honest. Cause like, I'm also a person who uses they, them pronouns typically until I know what pronouns people use. Um, also I've had, I've, I'll use my mom as an example. Like when I was explaining to her how they, them pronouns kind of go, she took it in stride. She was like, okay, cool. And she tries her best. And honestly, like the effort is what matters to me. Like I'm not, and I also ask people privately, do you want me to correct people on your pronouns? Yes. That's what I was going to bring up. Um, <laughs> Continue. Yeah. I very much ask in private and I've had people tell me no, or I've also had people don't use they, them pronouns in front of your parents to me. Like, not because my parents wouldn't respect it, just because they did, they weren't comfortable with that yet, and that's okay. I think I think everybody has a different level of comfortability when it comes to who uses their pronouns and how somebody uses their pronouns. I, w- I would like to specify that too. Um, do you want me, do you want me to correct people on your pronouns? Because if the answer is no, then you don't, and that's sh- just you kind of you just you just let it go, like because it's it's not up to you. And also again like. I don't know. I feel like we learned about they, them pronouns in like elementary school English, guys. Like, so I feel like if you need a refresher, like that little book you said, like, I don't know, it's like a five minute read. If, if some, if somebody is interested in that, like, I feel like that's really important. Listening is really important as well too. And like just effort for me, I think is what really does it. Like, I'm not, I'm not asking people to go out and like, like correcting people and yelling at people and whatever. Cause you're not going to change everybody's mind ever ever and I and that's something I've had to settle with and it's something I'm still kind of like working on but I think that's really important too I think that's a good point and that I also do want to shout out the people who didn't learn about they them pronouns in elementary school because I didn't know about they them pronouns until college like Mm -hmm. I will be perfectly honest about that that wasn't a thing for me until I got to college I knew someone who's pronouns became they them and I I didn't understand it and it wasn't and that was because I was like why would you want someone to call you a them that to me <laughs> that to me felt offensive because if mm-hmm. if you called me them as a black woman I would have a huge mm. I would have a huge problem with that no yeah, that I, girl yeah that them girl them. over there yeah. yeah so for me I was like why would why would you want somebody to call you that that's that's mad disrespectful but being able to be educated being able to learn like well I don't I don't ascribe to female or male I'm just yeah. I'm me I don't ascribe to a certain gender then I understood it because it was explained to me and then I respected that yeah and I think it's honestly that easy like even with how I address like my residents like I say I call you I'm like okay children or hello humans or <laughs> something like that I, I usually I typically use pretty like <laughs> general terms yeah um so and I and I think it, it I think it works for everybody I haven't I haven't heard any people yeah. typically, they just laugh at me <laughs> like they, yeah. you know they're just like okay I guess we're your children like it's, they just, it's all about you know, respect just, yeah like and if for whatever reason if I had said like or if that's how I addressed everybody as a whole and somebody was like, mm, I would change it. I'd been like, okay, like, hey, all what, what's up? Like, okay, everybody, like, what are you doing? Like, right. I feel like it, it's, um, you, you just have to adapt. I think as you grow older, you, you had, 
yeah, you just have to adapt to things. And I think it's something that's really important to learn. Not even just with like pronouns and stuff, just in general. Like yeah. with, if, if to be able to respect that person, you have to adapt a little bit. That's okay. Like, and, and again, it's a learning curve for some people. I think they're, no one's perfect. People are going to make mistakes. Um, so I think for the most part, people who want to be allies have good instinct. And so like, to those of you who are trying to make the world a safer place for people like us, thank you. We appreciate yeah. you and we see you. Um, I think where it gets tricky is when what the way we would prefer to be advocated for goes against your natural instincts. So that's stuff like not like if your friend intentionally uses their dead name or the wrong pronouns for to refer to themselves, not correcting them. Or even like even if someone else in the group refers to them that way and they don't correct them then you probably shouldn't be correcting them either like the main thing is just to let the people take the lead like it's so important that we have allies because they're kind of the bridge between the two worlds but it's also really important that those allies do not speak over the people who they're trying to represent because your job is to advocate for us and support us not to overshadow us so it's like if let your queer friends take the lead in summary. Okay. So can you, for the people who don't know what it is, can you tell, unless you don't know the definition, of what a dead name is? Because I'm guessing there are okay. going to be people who listen to this that don't know what that is. Yeah, sure. So um, a dead name is typically the name on a trans person's birth certificate that they no longer identify with. So if someone has chosen a name for themselves, that would be their chosen name or their preferred name. And the, the often their legal name or their previously used name would be their dead name. Okay, thank you for explaining that. So, for anybody who didn't know what that is, now you know. We're all about education here. Yeah, um, I think everyone, like everyone said, is just on a different learning curve. And so, I I think intention is where it comes into play, and people being open to learn. Uh, I currently serve on an LGBT-oriented board as a board of director, and so a lot of the work that I do is wrapped in advocacy and teaching and leading and planning pride, which is the fun part, but we do a lot of legislative work too. Um, and so I would say it's honestly listen to your friends, listen to the people around you who identify as gay and queer, uh, and ask them how they want to be supported how 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 what does it look like for them for you to speak up for them um to stand alongside them and support them and uh also, i had another thought but lost it uh it's up to the person how that person wants to be supported and celebrated and there are so many ways you can get involved if you are not the active protest type there are you can write legislation, you can submit testimony, you can, um, I mean, write letters to your local legislators. I think, I think being an ally out loud looks so different in this world. Use your social media, po boost uh, queer people and queer people of color who are already doing the work, elevate their voices, listen to their music, watch their TV. I mean, it goes so much further than just, I mean, there's there's so many ways to be a supporter and to celebrate uh, queer representation and culture and it it starts with your friends but there are there are so many other avenues that can if you feel comfortable doing that 
you can also show that support. Yeah, and I think that brings up, a, I think, what one thing that all three of you said that I'm going to just smash together is that it's really important to ask the person who either you know or um, have a relationship, how do you want me to advocate for you? Whether it be, I know you use they, them pronouns. Do you want me to correct people when they misgender you? Is it me supporting you in your decision to use different pronouns in different scenarios? Is it going to a protest with you? Is it going to pride with you? Is it writing a letter for legislation or writing to schools to advocate for gender neutral bathrooms? How can I advocate for you to mm-hmm. show that this is not just me seeing you as a person, but seeing other people like you, but that when it comes to advocating for someone you know, always ask them, how, how can I advocate for you? Because that their individualized experience is really important to how they want to be advocated for, because it's, it is different for everybody. Well, thank you all so much for joining me, and... Thanks. Thank you for having us. Yeah, I had such a good time. Yeah, thank, thank you. you so much. I love having opportunities to speak about this because it's very important to me to share. Well, how about that? How's your mind feeling after that discussion? Isn't it so interesting how much we can learn in a small time? I hope you come back and join me on my next podcast for Minority Minds. I'm your host with the most, Jordan Costley. And be kind to your mind. Minority, minority, minority minds. Minority, minority, minority minds. Minority, minority, minority minds.